instead of just more and more and more and more, it's like, how do I, how do I create a balance where I could show up at every sporting event indefinitely and still provide for my family to be able to go do the things they want to do. So that's kind of how things have evolved for me. I want a smaller team now that gets compensated really well versus a bigger team and just chasing the next location. It's just a different focus. You're listening to the Born Primitive Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Born Primitive Podcast. Afternoon, Tone. Good afternoon, Bear. Got a, got a rare afternoon recording on this one. Second one ever. Just came from the gym, so uh, I was in a, doing bench press like 10 minutes ago. So if I'm a little <laughs> more amped up than normal, I apologize, kind of. Um, but uh, really excited for today's guest. Uh, for us CrossFit dorks, uh, this guy doesn't need an introduction, but I'll do one anyway. Uh, today we have Jason Kalipa. Uh, Jason is the founder and CEO of NC Fit Gyms and Train Hard Online Training, uh, former CrossFit Games champion, three times Team USA CrossFit uh, Team CrossFit member. Uh, also, Jason is a, a pediatric, pediatric cancer advocate uh, after his daughter was diagnosed with leukemia in 2016. Uh, Jason is the host of the Jason Kalipa podcast, author of As Many Reps as Possible, and to cap it off, is now a BJJ brown belt. So, Jason Kalipa, welcome to the Born Primitive po- Podcast. Oh man, thanks for having me. I was uh right before we started recording, I'm like, dude, we better start going because I got many things we could riff on uh for for many hours. But I appreciate you guys uh allowing me the opportunity to be on the show. And um yeah, what, let's let's go. <laughs> well, I was I was talking with Jason before we went on air, and, and you know, Jason obviously has a super accomplished background in CrossFit. Um, but I think what is more impressive and you know what we'll get into is is what Jason has done beyond just being a CrossFit athlete. Uh, extremely successful business owner, a family man, um, and you know, honestly, I think just a good role model. Um, you know, uh, especially you know, I see a lot of the the content you put out on on social, Jason. It's just empowering and, and inspirational, and it's really not rocket science kind of stuff, right? You work, you work hard, you apply yourself, you move your body, you get after it, um, and you try to find balance in your life, and and that's kind of you know the vibe I get from from everything you put out, and it's just really positive energy. So. Um, yeah, I do. I want to go back real quick. My first Jason Kalipa memory. This is throwback. Oh, was this and, and, a Wadapalooza? No, no. This is this, way before that. Way before that. And people are probably right. sick of me, you know, talking about the one time I went to the CrossFit Games, and I'm not trying to make it about me. <laughs> but it was the. Uh, remember the Burden Run? Um, yeah. 2013 yeah. Games. I think that was the first event. And you come running out of the tunnel of the tennis, or the excuse me, the soccer stadium with the freaking uh, sawed-off telephone pole on your shoulder. You were like, they were like three minutes ahead of everyone, and you were like the first one to enter the stadium after doing, what was it, a 2.1-mile run, uh, the pig flip, and then don't you pick up the log and then you run it through the, the stadium and then you, yeah, did, then you I, pull a sled. Yeah. You pull yeah. the sled. Like, yeah. So, um, I, that was my memory. I, I, we had just gone and we were in the stands and then you were the, like the first one to enter, um, because we were all watching on the jumbotron to see who was in the lead. And then you like dominated that first event. Um, and that, that was my first Jason Kalipa memory. <laughs> it was pretty freaking badass, man. So, uh, I know that that dates me a little bit, but I know your history goes back even for that. You won it in 08. So by that time you were a freaking seasoned veteran, um, you know, catching your stride. But, uh, yeah, that, that was my first Jason Kalipa memory. It was pretty cool. That was one of my favorite uh, events probably ever. I think that, and the half marathon row stack it up for me. I mean, I, I've competed in a lot of events done some weird stuff, but that one in the half marathon row really stand out for me because they were events. I knew I was going to win before I won them. And that's pretty rare. 
you know, it, it's, it's pretty rare to know you're going to win. I mean, in some other sports, it might be a little bit different. Like we were talking about baseball a little bit. If you're up by eight and you're in the final inning, like, like it's, you pretty much know you're going to win. You don't know for sure, for sure, but you're highly likely. Um, but in CrossFit, like, you, you, you know, it's oftentimes you win by a fraction of a second. So when you know, you, you know, minutes in advance, you're going to win the event. You could just kind of relish in it a little bit more and really uh, appreciate the moment. So that was an example of that with the burden run. And I mean, cause you're, I mean, were you a runner? Like a, it was a 2.1 mile buy-in around the stadium. Cause I, we had to do it too. It sucked. And then you, yeah. you ran it into 2.1 uh, or was it further? I, I can't remember. It was definitely not that short. And, uh, you know, at that point you're, you're, it's a fast, I mean, it's not a sprint of course, but you're moving. Um, and then, and then the pig, that was the first time the pig was introduced. And I don't think from what I recall, we couldn't practice. It wasn't in the warm up area. So you were like no. cold bore coming up to it and you had no idea what, what it was going to feel like. And then you had to flip it the hundred, I think it was a hundred, hundred yard, you know, across the football field. And then you pick up your log and you got to run it. Um, but yeah. that's interesting that you dominated that event so much because I feel like with your build, like you're a big, big stocky guy. And for a big distance run like that in the beginning, uh, that's pretty impressive, man. Maybe well, did you well, make I, up ground on the pig? Yeah, I did, but I had been training a lot. You know, that year, my training partner actually won the run portion of it. His name was Garrett Fisher. And I probably came in, I'd say like, you know, forward, middle of the pack, right? Like, like I put myself in, in a position that I knew you know, would, would be good enough. Right. But I mean, you figure, I think it might've been three miles. I, I can't remember exactly, but I know that we were clipping like six minute miles for multiple miles. And that only got me like front middle of the pack. But at that point we had put so many miles on the track. I mean, I would go to the track twice a week, every week for months. And so my endurance was really something I was focused on because that was an area of the CrossFit games in the past that I hadn't performed as well on. Nice. Okay. So you were ready to rock. And then I'm sure when it got to the pig, it was, it was game over. You were, you were oh, probably dude. flipping the shit out of that thing. <laughs> yeah. And dude, I just remember thinking to myself like, Hey man, if I can go into that stadium and I could be, if I can be first walking in the stadium, no one is going to beat me on that sled. I just remember telling myself that like, I am not going to get beat on a sled. And so I walked in first and I was like, all right, don't get, don't get arrogant. Don't get, don't get too comfortable. Take that sled and get halfway across. Cause you don't know how heavy it is because like you said, we didn't get a chance to like testing these things. So like, yeah, I'm talking a big game and say, Oh, I'm not going to get Colin sled. But what if I had, yeah. so I'm like, all right, let me get halfway. Let me see how it feels. And then at the halfway mark, then I could really kind of take it all in. And at that point there still wasn't anybody in the stadium. So I finished it out. Yeah. It's like, don't, don't look up at that jumbotron too soon. <laughs> it's like these, these football guys, they'll get like a pick six and, and they'll drop the ball at the two yard line before they cross the oh, end zone. That one last week was Dude, so Oh my bad. God. What so are these bad. guys thinking? Oh. Like we, you see it every, every season you see a couple oh. of them and you're like, as any player, how that would you ever do that? Hurt. You just got to pick six, change the game and you drop it at the two yard line. <laughs> You never recover from that as a man. Dude. No, I, that's you dude. take that to your grave. Yeah, you tuck your tail <laughs> after that one. Um, well, obviously, you know, Jason, you killed it in the CrossFit. And, and what year did you like officially retire? I, I can't recall. Yeah, that was sixteen. So okay. I did. Oh uh, eight. Uh, I, I, I had a strong run. You know, I was on the mo podium multiple times. Did you know? Did some fun stuff there, and then. In 2016, I ended up retiring. Uh, Ava got sick, and so I, I retired from the sport, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of pivoted in, into other priorities at the time. And was that the the main driving factor? Was with your daughter and, and having to just solely focus on, and uh, in, in obviously the, the training, the bandwidth of training as a games athlete is incredible, and the volume was was that the main driver in that decision? Oh, I mean, that was the only driver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, 
So, I mean, yeah, it just, it wasn't even like a question. It wasn't even, you know, at that point in time, uh, I mean, the, the training of volume is just so high and the dedication is just so extreme that you really have to, you know, cause for me, you know, I, I wasn't competing in CrossFit to take second, right? I was there to win. I was there to dominate. I was there to reach my potential. And if you have other priorities going on at the same time, it's impossible to be able to do that. And so that's why I pivoted away from the sport. And obviously, you know, family will always take priority, but I would, I would have to imagine it had to be difficult, obviously on, on many fronts, but, but having to kind of take a, a backseat and, and sit on the sideline as a, as a, as a, a guy who's ultra competitive, was that difficult um, to, to kind of see the games go the next year? Were you so preoccupied with, with your daughter's health that it didn't even, yeah. 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 I get that question sometimes. Like I was at, um, you know, I was commentating for ESPN at the CrossFit games this year and people would ask me like, Oh, you know, do you miss it? Or especially like the year, uh, the, the first year I wasn't competing. I was at, I don't know if I went to regionals cause I think we were really tied up, you know, we were in the hospital a lot. I think it might've been the games or maybe it was regional. It, it might've been like a local competition. I went to like a, like a something I was able to drive to. And someone asked me like, Hey, do you miss it? And at the time, you know, yeah, it was a little bit tough. But the decision was made for me. Like I, it wasn't, it wasn't even like on the blimp of like an option not to, you know, be present on my family. So at that point, it was really easy for me at these events because it it was so far removed from like still being a possibility that it just was like super simple. Like, you know, I, I maybe for you uh, with your Navy career, I don't know if it was the same way where you know you could still be in, you could still be out. Like there's certain times you're like ah, it's like ah ah ah. In my case, there was no like ah ah. It was like no no no. We're 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 going this way. You know, it was the decision was made for me. And you know, I don't know if this is too personal, but how is everything going? Is is she okay now and and, and fully good to go? Or I'm sure that was an absolute um, battle there for a while. Yeah. So she became cancer free. Um, in February of this year. So what happens is uh, you go through three years, like two and a half years of treatment. And then there's five years after that. If you, you know, if your, if your blood markers are good and all is good, then you're considered cancer free. So yeah, she hit that mark um, February of this year. Wow, man, that, that had to be um, very difficult, but, but so glad to hear that those good news. And I know you're so involved as a dad and I see you, you know, rolling around with your son and doing, oh. you know, keeping them active and, and setting that example. Uh, and it's so cool to see. And I'm sure, um, you know, the, the willpower that she must've had going through that as well as, you know, your whole family, um, yeah, it had to be, that had to be a lot, man. So, so glad to hear that, that those good news and, uh, obviously brighter days ahead. Yeah, no, look, I don't, it's just, look, you make the best decision you can at the time and you, you adapt to your situation. And in our particular case, we got, you know, kind of thrown for, uh, you know, our path was going one way and, and it got clearly pivoted another and you got to react to it. You got to focus on what's in your control and just go out there and go do it. And that's, that's the best thing that my family and I could have done. And now, you know, it's, 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 it gives you a lot of great perspective, you know, all these years later, it's like, you know, when you look at situations, you treat them a little bit differently, similarly, almost the way COVID shut down our business it has reframed the way sometimes I look at certain situations that are coming up in business because you're like, you know, I have been through worse type situations. I don't know if you guys have experienced, I'm sure you guys yes. both have as well. We're like, I've been through worse so I could handle this type of thing. And so for that, I am moderately grateful that, I, you know, I'm at my age, I could already have had those experiences because I think it'll help shape my perspective for the future in business and in life. 
And, and were you able to do that? Like with something like that, that's so outside of what you think is going to happen just at any point in your life and for it to happen at, at, at an age so young for her, was that something, were you able to make that pivot right away? It, obviously externally done with CrossFit, but internally, were you able to say like, Hey, this is the new reality. I'm going to face this head on. Or was there kind of a phase of like, not grief, but like, why me? Like, was there any, any period in there? And, and I'm sure, cause in hindsight, as you just mentioned, it's always, you look back on those moments. And I think if you handle them with integrity, you look back and you say like, damn, that sharpened me. And like, as hard as it was, like that made me and hopefully your whole family, like closer knit, like kind of that shared suffering. Is that something you guys were able to do right away? Or did it take some time to kind of process and work itself out? Uh, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I think that, you know, with you guys in sports or your other training that you guys have done, we, the three of us, all of us, probably many people listening to this are blessed to have micro doses of adversity in their life that have came to them, whether that's, you know, being on the mound or whatever position you played in baseball, I'm just using as an analogy or, you know, bear, whatever is going on with your training. Like you've had different adversity that you've had to overcome. And I think when I look at the CrossFit games, the best gift it ever gave me was these micro doses of adversity, or, or in some cases, big doses of adversity, right? Like, you know, passing on a run or getting ready for a competition or, or having competitors, like you need to learn how to adapt and, and overcome those things. And in the, in the end of the day, like it's a game, like it's, it's a sport. Right. And, and so, but if you could develop those skills in sport, I feel like they transfer really well into real life. And so my wife and my family and I, in particular, um, Ash and I, we had developed some of these skills because we had both had to overcome that through my competitive career. Now, not at the same scale, not the same, obviously, you know, risk and whatnot, but there was still lessons that we had learned by overcoming struggles in sport that allowed us to quickly make, you know, uh, mindset shifts when in that actual practical moments, you know? Yeah, I think it just goes into the school of thought of, you know, trying to do hard stuff every day. And and while, of course, like, just because you work out and you do cold tub and this stuff doesn't mean like if a family illness happens or family death, like you're going to be totally resilient to it. But but I absolutely do think to some degree it is trainable um, and, and sure. it will make you at least more prepared to bounce back and handle those situations. Um, and I think yeah. that's why, you know, I think we're all, you know, all three of us are a big proponent of, of that just in, in your daily lives. You, you got to get after it. And and do stuff that you don't want to do, getting up early, working out, getting in that cold tub, you know, whatever that is for you, do, doing that distance run if you're a runner um, and, and feeling those legs burn and those lungs burn on a, on a cold, you know, winter morning when you don't want to get out there and you want to stay inside. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure you guys took it head on. And, and the, the cool thing about you, man, it sounds like, like, you know, obviously you had the CrossFit thing, but then, you know, the business was, was blowing up too. And I guess, when did I know? Obviously, NC Fit is like an you know one of the OGs, but like you know in your CrossFit career, some 2008 ish to 2016, um, when did the business really start picking up? And then like, how did you balance that? Because I can relate. You know, I was in the military, balancing born primitive, and I know how hard that can be. And I know obviously the the training volume of a CrossFit Games athlete, like y'all are nuts. Um, so how did you? When did NC Fit really start to become something real and significant? And how did you balance that while being a full-time, you know, and very competitive and elite CrossFit Games athlete? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a good question. Uh, by the way, I think, you know, as far as like getting up and doing hard things, you know, I, I think that there's such a carryover. And I think that we talk about it hypothetically, but when it actually comes into life and you see it, you're like, oh, and 
that could be just little things, or in my particular case, it could be, you know, cancer and, um, it, it does play a role. So if you're listening to this, it does play a role. If, if you're not motivated by six pack abs or better blood markers or whatever, you should be motivated by, you know, being able to show up for others around you, being able to, you know, develop kind of micro dose of adversity that are within your control set when something really hard does happen in life, you're better prepared to do it. And I, I believe that for kids as well. Um, you know, we do all kinds of stuff with the kids because of that particular reason. But when I think uh, you, I, your, not to sidetrack off a of bear's question, but you can sense that too. And it's what you're speaking to right there is like, when you're in a room with somebody and, and shit maybe doesn't go how it was supposed to, or even if shit's going how it's supposed to, but maybe you have to pivot or something gets added to what the original plan was. It's like, you can see the subtlety of how individuals react. And I think it's, it's speaking to what you just said is like individuals that have that. And it's not even just self-discipline. It's like self-awareness, self-discipline, but then have also done a bunch of hard shit or handled a bunch of hard shit. It, it brushes off them. Whereas you see some people squirm like a fish when anything doesn't go how it was supposed to go. And like, yeah, you build up a lot of little moments like that. Like you do become, and it sounds dorky, but almost like unbreakable to like, Hey, throw at me, whatever you want. Like, it may still be hard, but the way they go about it is just so different than somebody that hasn't held their self to that standard throughout their life. So yeah, it is. It's very obvious, sure. although even in those subtle moments of even just a conversation, you can sense that from somebody. Yeah, hundred percent. I, um, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, for me, it's like group sports for our kids are huge. I have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. I believe it's super important to learn how to win and be a good sportman. I also believe it's really important to learn how to lose and to overcome that. Um, and those are super important skills. Obviously, being able to defend yourself is is super critical, and you you could learn a lot that experience. But to the business question, um, so you don't think I'm dodging it. Uh, <laughs> we started it off in 08, and uh, we started off the single site. And at that point, I won the CrossFit Games. I had some good momentum behind me. I had just graduated from college. We opened a location. Then we opened two. Then we opened three. At that point, we had four locations. We rebranded uh, NorCal CrossFit at the time to be more indicative of multiple locations. So instead of like CrossFit Santa Clara, CrossFit Mountain View, CrossFit this, we're like, hey, let's have one brand. So we did that. And then we signed a big corporate wellness deal. At the time, we were really pursuing corporate wellness. We had these brick and mortar locations. I was competing professionally. We ended up signing a deal. We, we ended up servicing Twitter. We serviced GoPro. We serviced um, a variety of different companies, but the largest one uh, we still service Lucas films, but the largest customer we had was Western digital. And it's like 2011, 2012 or so we expanded globally with Western digital. And for the next 10 years, we were, um, you know, servicing like 15 locations of them. So we had Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, uh, three in Malaysia. We had, you know, Japan, wherever they had locations, not wherever, but many locations where they had, um, the C the president saw a lot of value in. CrossFit and the ability to create connection. And so we ended up expanding uh, globally with them. And so at the time, we were balancing the business of, you know, multiple brick and mortars, corporate wellness. And then obviously, um, we started expanding a digital for the for the gym owners, which is a whole nother revenue stream. Mm -hmm. And obviously still competing professionally, and trying to balance these different things became tough. You know, what I found was that I'd be on the assault bike doing intervals at night trying to stay in shape. And I'd be on conference calls with Asia because, you know, they work different hours, right? So it'd be like, I don't know, 7 p.m. our time, which would be like a good time for them. And I'd be in the garage just hitting the salt bikes and I would just be hitting the mute button, right? And then when they asked me a question, I'd unmute it. And it just wasn't the right way to, to live life, you know, one foot in, one foot out, just distracted. You know, I was just, when I was 
when I was training, I was, I wasn't fully focused. And for me to really reach my potential in the different areas that I wanted to with, you know, business, family, fitness, I had my, my daughter in 2011 and then my son in 2014. So I was still competing professionally and having the locations. I told myself I needed to kind of treat each facet of my life more like an AMRAP when you're doing a workout. So if you look at like the way that we're having this conversation right now, I'm present, I'm focused, I'm, I'm, I'm not distracted, I'm not on my phone, I'm not talking to anybody. I just really want to get the most out of this conversation. I want to give you my best and hope that you give me your best and we could have a great conversation. And that's what I think about when I think about the AMRAP mentality. I ended up writing a book on it called As Many Reps as Possible. And the, the goal is to identify what you're focusing on. So right now I'm focused on you. After we're done with this, I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to focus on something else. I'm no longer going to think about you guys, which I like you guys. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. I'm going to move on to my next focus, right? And so before this, I was at jujitsu. I was present. I was focused. Now I'm here. I'm present. I'm focused. Then I'm going to do something else. I'm present focused. The idea is identify what your focus is, work super hard at it, switch gears throughout the day. And then every now and then when life throws you like a big change, whether it's getting married, having kids, whatever, right? You open a new business, whatever. You might need to reevaluate what those focuses are. But I think by embracing this AMRAP mentality of if someone asks you to do max burpees in five minutes, you wouldn't do anything but that. If you can embrace that in different areas of your life, I think you're going to be more productive. And that's what we started instilling many years ago. And it's, it's paid dividends since. Yeah, I mean, how how applicable that is to to society today. And it sounds like you even went through that. It's not just this wasn't something you just had the aha moment from zero experience. It's like you were in it where you're riding the assault bike on a conference call. And it's like, I mean, and I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I know, Barry, you could probably speak to it, too, because we've talked about it on the podcast. Like how many times now you're you're me, I have. Well, I have a, a month old and then also a one and a half year old. And you're like, you're on oh, your, nice. you're on your phone while you're playing with them and, and just catching myself in those moments saying like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, go put your phone away and focus on your kids. And of course the, you, I see myself getting better and better at it, but it's like, it's wild, man. The amount of, the, the amount of distractions now it's like, you can go through a whole day and, and never have a single 30 minute block where you stay focused the whole time. And that, that like, as I reflect on it, it's something I've been very conscious of lately. It's like, that's sad. Like, and that's, it's almost like we've, we've given ourselves ADHD throughout our day because we're so distracted by so many things going on that, that as you said, you don't, you, you don't get the full juice from anything you're doing because you're kind of, you're half in half out throughout, throughout your day. Yeah. And, and like what we're talking about is not easy and I'm not perfect at it at all. I mean, it's, it's, but the idea is to at least be uh, aware, you know, to your point, right. You're, you're aware of that. And, you know, for me, where it really started to play a role, obviously with the family, um, you know, it's just, you know, just thinking about the CrossFit games and just being so engulfed, you know, of, of wanting to win, you know, just, just being so focused that you, you got to learn to compartmentalize some of that stuff. Otherwise it just starts to detract from other relationships you have. And I'm very grateful that for years, I try to embody that mindset and still do today because, you know, when Ava got sick, it allowed me to have a, you know, a strong financial hedge because we worked hard, a strong fitness hedge. And then strong relationships because we had actually invested in those relationships. They don't just happen. Like you gotta, you gotta cultivate it. And we were able to kind of pivot out from the business as well and, and basically turn it over to our team because of embodying this mindset, I think. Yeah, that's such, such good advice. And this is something we've talked about on the podcast before is there absolutely is risk to collateral damage in your life. If you're 
you know, head down tunnel vision, pursuing something because you're so competitive and you want to win and, and be successful. If you're not mindful to the other aspects of your life that it could affect, um, you know, six years could go by and you could find yourself a divorce like me. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, we joke about it now, but our co-founder Mallory and I used to be married. Um, and, uh, we, we, you know, we started the business together and we were, we're both type a, like super hardworking and just super competitive. So every waking hour of the day, free time would be like, you know, born primitive time. Cause I was active duty in the military. So anytime she had me, it was like a million questions about born primitive or on our laptops till midnight. And then it was always born primitive, you know, you know, all the time. Um, and while that, that helped us obviously create a successful business that now employs all kinds of people and we're having a good time with it. Um, you know, I think in hindsight, there could have been a little bit more, um, thought given to balance, um, and, and watering other aspects of your life. So it's one of those things that I, you know, now that I have perspective, I, I, you know, I, I try to work fun? more on that now, but, uh, well, and, that, yeah. and that's what I like about what you said, Jason is like, I, is there value in times of just doubling down hard on something and focus entirely on it? Of course. And I think that's like, especially as guys, like learning what your limit is in that fashion is important to pull back. But then what you said too, is like, Hey, it's not about just focusing on one thing all day and becoming like the absolute expert. And it's like identify it. And, and we talked about this on an earlier podcast too. It's like map out what your values are. And then throughout your day, you're just pivoting between those full focus on what those values are. And then, as you said, like if you have a big moment in your life, have the ability to be flexible and, and kind of pivot off of what, what those are. But otherwise it's like, what is important to you? And then if you find yourself doing that, that you've identified as important to you, put all your effort into it and put a hundred percent focus yeah. and then have the grace too. As you said, it's like, that shit's not easy. Our, our mind is a tricky thing. And like, when you really get conscious of what, how your thoughts roll out, even on a day-to-day -day basis, it's like, there needs to be some humility and grace there to realize like, Hey, this is a process. I'm just trying to get a little better at, at staying focused in, in these, these moments that matter. For, for sure. I mean, I think that, you know, as a guy, you know, you, you want to identify a purpose. You want to, you want to chase goals. And, and, and I think that's super admirable, but evaluating, you know, I think on a, on a daily weekly basis, like, Hey, how am I doing in these specific areas? You know, something I would ask, and I'd, I'd love to have a separate conversation with bear about this. Like, you know, do you think that if, and we don't need to talk, I mean, we could talk about whatever you guys want to talk about, but like the question I would ask bears, cause like, I'm really curious for my own relationships, you know, like now, I do weekly train hard men's club meetups. I'm really engaged with a lot of guys trying to talk about relationships. You know, my wife and I, we met at 14, been together since. Like, we've gone through some things together. Like, I'm really curious, like talking to Bear, like, do you think if you had done micro check-ins every other day, if you had, because I think what happens to people, and, and myself included, is that you get in kind of like this, this laser vision of like, hey, success is this, whatever that might be. And you're very like head down, eyes forward, let's go. And I wonder if people set up time just like once a week in their sauna, on a ruck, whatever, where they put in their calendar and it's like evaluation time. And during that week, you're like, hey, how am I doing in the different priorities I have in my life? What are they? Well, definitely my family. I want to make sure that I'm fit. And let's just say business. Those are my three, right? I, wanna, I need to be able to earn so I can provide for my family. I need to be able to have my family because that's critical to me. I, that's my ultimate why. And then of course, I want to maintain my fitness so I could do all those other things too. But I wonder if weekly, if you're checking in, if you wouldn't have these epiphanies, uh, you know, six months, a year, two years go by and you're like, man, I really dropped the ball over here. Yeah. And I think it's something 
I, I've learned, you know, like, again, the hard way I'm, I'm 35 now and I'm, it's not like I'm, I'm some wise man all of a sudden, but definitely I, I have you got that got the pers- hair for it. <laughs> <laughs> cane. Uh, yeah. I need to get that gray hair, man. I'll start getting that old man strength. Uh, but, um, but you know, I, I think that's absolutely something you have to be intentional about. And, and I think the difficult part, we talked about this as well is, you know, you hit the nail on the head as far as like the chasing, you know, I think as particularly as, as like men, we're like hardwired, we want to conquer shit and we're, we're like, we want to compete, obviously not to say women aren't, but I just think we, we are just inclined to be competitive and we want to conquer things and we want to provide and protect. Like, it's just like a, I think a biological instinct. Um, and as, as it pertains to success, um, I think the trap with, with, with business and like financial success is like, it's very easy to kind of keep score, right? Particularly let's say call fi- financial success. Like that's, kind of your financial assets and like, you know, what's in your bank account and all these other things. And, and it's very easy to quantify how you're doing in that part of your life. Unfortunately, right. when it comes to family and relationships and even just maybe, you know, your, your own peace internally, there's no scoreboard for that. You know what I mean? It doesn't show up on the stat sheet, right? So if you spend two hours intentionally with your daughter after work with do not disturb on your phone, that's a really good thing to do, but it doesn't add to like, you know, the, the perceived set success of you as an individual. However, we almost need to create our own scoreboard internally. And I think that's to your point of that check-in, you know, maybe it's on a Saturday in a sauna session. We're like, all right, how did I do this week? When I came home from work, was I present with my daughter? Um, you know, was I, you know, did I go to church on Sunday? Did I get, did I, did I hit my five workouts, you know, did, you know, th- Thursday, Sunday, rest days, but you know, did I hydrate? Did I, you know, you kind of look back and, you know, or did I have, you know, three glasses of wine that one night and then sleep like crap and, you know, not get up early like I should. So I think that kind of inventory check is, is a good thing, Jason. Um, and I think maybe for me, I'm kind of maybe doing it subconsciously, but maybe it needs to be even more deliberate. Um, and maybe you yeah. get more of an honest answer when, when it's like that intentional. I don't know. And I think, yeah, uh, Jason, I, mean, I would love to hear, like, okay. I feel like as a culture, and I'm going to make a blanket statement here. It's like, <laughs> it's like we, it feels like we've gotten a little selfish at times too, where we, and, and I'm, I'll say, I'll speak myself, like almost self-obsessed with what I would call like an ego projection, as opposed to like, what really matters. Like, and I, I told Bear this one day, it's like, I always mm-hmm. think like when I'm on my deathbed, am I going to think about that extra hundred thousand dollars in the bank account? Or am I going to think about the time I spent with my daughters? And it's like, that's easy to say, but I really, I genuinely think it's like, and and here's another kind of like corny thing to say is like, it's the difference between the mind and the heart. Like the mind wants always objective quantifiable things. Whereas like when you can kind of sink into your heart, it's much more just about the moment and the quality of time, as opposed to a metric measuring everything like, and that until you've experienced those two different states, and there's way to do there's ways to do that, whether it's breath work, meditation, like different, even different plants will shove you into those. It's like, it's hard to identify the difference between those two energies. But once you do, you see the value in both and you're not over leveraged into your mind. And then you're also it's not just you're always kumbaya, not worried about providing and things. But I would love to hear if you if that resonates at all with you and kind of what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I mean, here's a good way to look at it. Like, success for me has evolved over the years. You know, when I first got into the fitness space, I was really young. 15. And I used to think like bigger team, more locations, more employees, more money. That was success. So we grew, we grew to more revenue. We grew to more locations. We grew to more employees. And then COVID hits, right? At the time, success for me was more, 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 right? Like, like financially, I'm, I'm speaking like purely, like if you were to ask, what is the financial goals? It was to provide for myself, my family, and create as many opportunities as I can for other people. That was the goal. And then COVID hits and our business saw 
like, I mean, dude, we saw major, I mean, like seven figure revenue drops in, 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 in a night like that. Like, I mean, just instantly. And my lifestyle adjusted accordingly, right? Because it's not like we were, you know, going, I'm not trying to claim like I was poor, that was struggling, whatever. I'm I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that our business is doing really well. COVID hit, it changed our landscape and it required me to reevaluate how we were spending. I'll put it that way. So no more lavish spending on travel, none, none of that stuff. And when I came to find out through that next year or two was like, Dude, I was super happy. Aside from the business struggling and 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 opening and closing our doors and all that stuff, from a family perspective, we were never we were super connected. We felt great. We didn't have to travel to find enjoyment. We were finding enjoyment around just being together and and just having that time. And it, it really re- reframed the way I looked at it. And a buddy of mine came to me. This is like one of our business mentors said something to me, and it's been really just resonating with me really big. Is that success for him? was being able to go to every one of his kids' sport, sporting events and bring the family with him. And so his kids ended up playing sports in college and he was able to go fly to all of the kids' games and bring the whole family with them. And I thought about that. Like, if that's success, it means you have independence in terms of your work schedule. It means you have the financial means to be able to travel. You don't have to charter a jet, but you could fly, right? You could just be on a plane and you could do it with your entire family. I was like, wow. It just reframed the way I was thinking, like, instead of just more and more and more and more, it's like, how do I, how do I create a balance where I could show up at every sporting event indefinitely and still provide for my family to be able to go do the things they want to do? So that's kind of how things have evolved for me. I want a smaller team now that gets compensated really well versus a bigger team and just chasing the next location. It's just a different focus. Yeah, that's so good, man. Yeah, one of my my kind of e-commerce mentors, uh, Ezra Firestone, was saying one of the things he was quoted saying is he works really hard to create surplus in his life to give him options on how to use it, right? And for him, it's 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 creating uh, benefits for other people with that surplus, and he's really successful. But that, it's kind of the same idea, man. I mean, that whoever that that individual was uh, probably worked his butt off for a good chunk of his life, and it was time for his kids to be playing college ball. He was able to get the whole family out there and enjoy that and probably hopefully shut his phone off. And he's not answering emails in the, in the, in the bleachers. Well, it's you know, like, a, it's like game. a good checks yeah. and balances too. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like it under that model, you have to have the resources to be able to buy the plane ticket, exactly. but then you also have to have the time to be able to go there. So it's like, you're putting a checks and balances on like, Oh, you can't just keep working and making more money because then you won't have the time to actually go travel. So yeah, setting up those systems. And, and you got to delegate things out. Yep. You got to set up systems and procedures. Like, that's why, like, it really resonated with me, you know? Because, like, are you, it's, you, it's, it's both of those things. Are you a, are you a, I call it trench worker. Like, did you, is that hard for you to kind of, as a, as a CEO, like, take a step back out of things? Or do you actually enjoy that as far as, and I'm sure it maybe has changed over time, but do you like setting up systems and then taking a step out? Or do you feel that you like to be in there kind of with your hands involved? Nah, I mean, I, th- I think at this point, like we started delegating years ago. Um, our team grew really quickly when we signed with Western Digital and I had to, you know, give up uh, and I was competing, right? So I had to, I had to prioritize. So we, I've been very blessed. We have an incredible, incredible team. So I wouldn't call myself like, a, I definitely don't micromanage. I'm not like super in, I'm more like, you know, brand building, vision, and, um, you know, just trying to create aspirational aspects for, for people to feel fired up about where we want to go. But there's other people that are actually running day to day. I'm doing a lot more things like this and, and just creating partnerships, et cetera. 
So, you know, talking more into the business. So you said COVID hit, obviously that was a huge adjustment. It's interesting because for a lot of businesses, it was the opposite effect. So for us and most e-commerce brands, like it, it created this explosion. There was like this, this two week period where you thought the world was ending and literally no one was shopping online. And then once people started settling into their houses with their sweatpants and like their, you know, hate to say it, but their government check, yeah. people started doing a whole lot of shopping online and, and all these brands rode this tidal wave. Um, and, uh, you know, so, and then, you know, we're kind of back to, you know, we, we all kind of sobered up a little bit now we're back to, well, honestly, probably the opposite because now the, the, the discretionary spend is super down, but, um, so that, that affected your business. Um, and, and when did you guys start launching the programming parks? I'm super interested in that. Like, you guys, because to, to me that has like, it's like it's a software, you know, essentially, so you can scale it with not really much additional like bandwidth putting into it. And from just like the business side of me, I'm fascinated by that. Has that become a yeah. huge part of your business? As I understand it, gyms can subscribe to the programming, right? So they don't have to worry about it, which I think is brilliant. Um, the gym I was going to out in Israel when I was deployed um, they subscribe to your all's programming. It was awesome. Um, it, uh, yeah. Did it, you know Murray out there? What's that? Did you ever meet Murray in Israel? I don't think no? so. Um, okay. but, uh, so like it clearly, I mean, I was in Tel Aviv, Israel and they're doing NC fit programming and it was awesome by the way. Um, so from a gym, it's a great option because it's like, if you're a coach, you don't want to worry about writing the week's programming, just subscribe and it's really good stuff. Uh, and then, you know, there's an individual level programming as well, right? You know, you guys diff got different programs. Uh, so how has that part of your business gone? And is that like, as far as a pie chart, is that a pretty significant part of your revenue? Yeah, I, I think that the, the key from a business perspective is to do things that like, for me, organically occur. So if you think about we opened up multiple locations, we then realized like, wow, we're connecting a bunch of people in here. We should bring this to corporate wellness because companies want to create and foster relationships just like you guys with your new building are going to have a gym. Well, one of the reasons why I want to have a gym is because uh, employees can connect with each other. Um, and so we, we organically brought that to corporate wellness. As we expanded in corporate wellness, uh, I think it was like 2000, I don't know, 12, 11. You know, we had, uh, we have a location in Cabo, Mexico. We have Shenzhen, China. We have all these different things. And it's like, man, how do we keep consistency across all these locations? And I really wanted the coaches to thrive, but I wanted to give them guardrails around their programs. So we created the NC Fit Collective, which is session plans, programming, daily videos for our coaches to know minute by minute what's going on, how to scale, how to adjust, how to implement the workout. So when we rolled it out for our own people, we're like, dude, we should start selling this to other gyms because at that point, many other, many, very few gyms had the scale that we did, meaning we were able to invest many dollars, not only to create our own apps, that's, that's neither here nor there, it's to have the team that then curates the program, tests the program, writes a session plan. A regular gym as an individual just would never have the time. And if they did, they wouldn't want to allot it towards this particular focus. They should be focused on growing their business. So we ended up selling that to gym owners and that's done really well over the years. But then uh, I'd say about, you know, over the years, right? That's done really well. So if you think about NC Fit, we service gym owners, coaches, and brick and mortar. So right now in the Bay Area, we have great locations. We have San Francisco with Lucas Films. We have Mountain View. We have Campbell. They're doing great. This is how we've kind of evolved. We then service gym owners and coaches through the NC Fit Collective and something we have called Coach Like a Pro. And it's really designed for like NC Fit, gym owners, coaches, brick and mortar. Boom. However, 
We also want to be able to service people who are at their house, who want to just train hard, who want to be able to get after it. And I wanted to be able to lean on like what I'm interested in today. Like I love CrossFit. I love coaching. I love doing all this stuff, but I'm also interested in jujitsu. I'm interested in tactical games. I spent a lot of time with military and law enforcement. We train the customs and border protection. We do a lot of work with those groups. And I wanted to create programs that I felt like inspired me as a dad and inspired them. And so we're, we're, we created the train hard brand, the train hard brand just launched uh well, we actually, I was just on the Jocko podcast, depending on when this releases. Hell yeah. Um, dude. Nice. And yeah, that, that Jocko podcast is like three and a half hours long. So we went, <laughs> we went deep. Nice. But we first started talking about there. Uh, we've been having a newsletter called the never zero newsletter. And we're laying the framework for something special come January one. And, and here's what it is. It's a three program app called train hard by Jason Klepa for people that want to act the part. That's a program. Look the part. That's a program and never hit zero. That's a program. So act the part like fundamental, fundamental strength conditioning, not so much like snatches and rope climbing, more foundational. Look the part is more functional type bodybuilding and never zero is just a daily 30 minute EMOM. And this is the way that I train now. And this is the way that I want to train as a dad so I could train and you actually use these words, but I'll, I'll use them because these are what we like to say is provide and protect. And what that means to me, protect for me, doesn't just mean jujitsu and uh, jujitsu and firearms. Like, yes, I do train those things. It means though, I should be able to jump, climb, sprint, uh, you know, whatnot. So I could protect myself and my family. You know, my son last year, we were sitting by a bonfire and he got pulled into this bonfire by his sister on accident. And I jumped in and threw them both out and he still got burned. But if I wasn't as strong and as like ready, you know, that could have been much worse. So I want to be able to protect my family, but I also want to be able to provide. And I think provide could be a lot of different things. You could talk about hunting and stuff like that. But the direction that I take it in is that I want to be able to provide experiences. So, you know, Tony, when your kids get older or, you know, for my, whatever, I want them to be able to come up to me and be like, dad, I want to go play baseball. Be like, let's go. Anything they ask, I want to be able to say yes. I want to be able to provide that to them and never be inhibited by my fitness to be able to do that. So that's that's one layer of provide. And the other is, I want to look the part. I want to show up to a meeting. I want to look confident. I want to be confident. I want to train hard so I can provide more financially because I show up more confident and prepared for my day. So that's kind of holistically where we're going with train hard. And NC Fit will still be focused on gym owners, coaches, and brick and mortar gyms. Love it, man. I mean, that's shit. That's awesome. So is it each day are there three components or do you kind of cherry pick in a week? All right, today I want to do one component. Tomorrow I do the next. Um, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like seasons of your life. So like right now, I'm going to get ready for tactical games That's at the end of February. So I'll be doing um, our act apart. It's called it's it's called force, okay. which is our act apart program, right? It's like fundamental strength conditioning. But then maybe I'm like, you know what, man, summertime's coming up. <laughs> you know, maybe I kind of want to get a little jacked. Maybe I want to do a little bit more bodybuilding, right? So then I'll use our uh, flex program for that. And then you know what? It's the holidays. Like I'm not really feeling it right now, but I never want to hit zero. I want to always keep momentum, right? So let me hit my EMOM today. Nice. That's just going to be a dumbbell EMOM. That's just like 20 minutes. Let's, let's, let's do it, you know? Smart, man. I mean, because you feel it, you get through a 12-week program and you 
you kind of feel that urge like oh, I, I, I can do a six-week yeah. hypertrophy just yeah. bodybuilding yeah. and like to have that all in under one umbrella like and just for life is different man. even now with a newborn it's like those 30 minute ones i might have to pivot to that when you launch that because yeah you, you find your time shrinking so have, having those options it yeah it's, it's a great idea and, and I'm, I'm stoked to hear about the tactical games thing, man. So I, I saw, you know, on Instagram, you doing some shooting and stuff like that. But I got to ask, you know, um, has that drawn any criticism from followers? Like, I know, like, after the <laughs> after Rich's career, you know, he got into hunting. And I know, like, he took a bunch of I think he just shot a bear recently, which was cool. Oh, um, man, and, but like, some, you know, he gets all, oh, oh man, he gets all these comments. Um, and it, I would like, have you, has people been busting your balls about like, you know, any of that stuff or have been pretty cool about it? You know, for me, um, no, I'm not really, I I've had some people, you know, like I take my son, my son's been training firearms since he was very young. Um, and I, I've had a few people talk about, oh, you know, we shouldn't expose them. And I just, I just have a difference of opinion, right? I, I, I believe that we should. And for a variety of reasons, but, um, as far as on my channel and stuff, no, not really. I think that people are fired up about it. I think that it's, it's a skill set. It tests accuracy, something that CrossFit's all about, but we don't really do it as much. And so I think it's a great skill to learn. Like, Hey, can you get your heart rate jacked up? Can you take, you know, thousands of pounds of sandbags? And then can you go shoot a target that's 300 yards away with a, you know, whatever. I, I just, I find that to be very intriguing and it's a nice way for me to blend things that I care about. Like I want to develop these skills anyways, so I might as well develop them and then combine them with something else that I like, which is fitness. No, that's awesome, man. Um, you know, we talk about that a lot, but, but that, that protect component of what I feel is our responsibility. Um, there might come a point in time, man, where, uh, you got to use a weapon and I hope it doesn't come to that. But, um, let's hope you freaking when that moment comes, you've trained and it's muscle memory and it's part of your subconscious because high stress level, it almost needs to be a subconscious action because otherwise you're going to fumble it. Um, so it's cool to hear you're, you're getting into that, man. And obviously with the, with the jujitsu background on top of that, uh, weapon or no weapon, I, I think I put you in a good spot, uh, to win that battle. Which is, <laughs> I love it, man. I mean, I just want to be a, a contributor to my society, right? I want to be a contributor to your community. I want to, you know, and as I've gotten older, right, is I've kind of um, found myself like gravitating towards some of these things. Like I naturally like aggressive things. Like I love jujitsu. I like Muay Thai. I, I'm, I'm okay with those things. And there's certain people that, that aren't, but there needs to be certain people who are so that if something's going down, you want those people who have been training for years and years and years. And I'm finally at a point now where I, I feel like I would be an asset to my community uh, with a firearm um, and not a liability. And for that, I'm grateful because of all the training I've done and appreciate all local law enforcement that have taken me underneath their wing to, to teach me. Do you remember, uh, I remember you were, <laughs> you were cracking up somehow we got to talking at Wadapalooza and I was telling you the story, how we got, we got pulled over, yeah, oh, and, dude, and, I love that story. <laughs> we had, uh, for the viewers, I, we were doing a training exercise and we were in a government van and I was the driver and it was, I, I had night vision goggles on and a ballistic helmet and we got pulled over and the, the officer asked if we had anything in, in the back 
and we had four belt fed machine guns in the back and a bunch of dudes in body armor <laughs> so he had to open up the back hatch and it was like yeah man <laughs> what, what do you want and uh, i remember somehow that came up when you and me were talking at wadapalooza and you just were cracking up man you thought that was a funny Dude, I story, love that story. <laughs> i ended up telling that story like to multiple people just like i could only imagine what that guy was thinking when he, when he rolls up on this you know van Dun, dun, dun. you're sitting there you know ready to go because if if my uh correct me if i'm wrong but like your instructor was like you know 15 minutes behind you and his goal was to basically track you down and so you, you, like time was of the essence for you guys to get moving and uh anyways i can only imagine that guy's face like, yeah oh yeah. you know sir can you please open up the back and it's like <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah it was actually it was a 30 minute head start we had and we were on the clock and i was like hey buddy like can we move this along because you know we're we're on the clock right now but that was yeah, that was that was on shore drive in virginia beach oh that was here <laughs> yeah that was here <laughs> yeah, it was Damn. funny so yeah he, he fortunately he uh he figured out what was going on and let us go on our way and we we got a good little head start but uh i remember that That's yeah hilarious. somehow that came up and you were you were cracking up here in that one man Dude, i love that <laughs> i love that man i that, that was those are kind of stories like I don't I mean I haven't been a part of those type of things so I get a I get a kick out of it um but that's that's yeah man we you know but you guys and all the training you've done and the earned confidence you have and and those are things I think about on a regular basis like how do I set my kids up to be in a position where you know we could train and develop them you know so that they could feel comfortable and confident and and be best prepared for this world because it's 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 tough and you know, it's our job as parents to try and start instilling certain, certain steps, you know, and my son, uh, we, we obviously, I train my son and my daughter very differently, but I, I believe that both should be training, um, to get prepared. That's it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, and I'm sure this is true for, for young girls as well, but I think as for young men, like I got so much confidence from starting to do weightlifting in a, at a young age. And it's like, as a young man, when you start getting muscle, um, and you start realizing you can maybe assert yourself against another guy. And, and you know what I mean? If something goes down, you start to gain confidence. Um, and then when you start working those disciplines specifically, you know, a little bit of combatives or stand up or, you know, rolling on the mats that adds to that because now you have the physical tools, but now you know how to use it. Um, but I also think then you become like, I think you put it well earlier is like, you, it's almost like an obligation that you feel as a member of society that, okay, now that I possess these abilities, uh, it's on me to be vigilant. Um, and if something were to go down in a public place, it, it's almost like, okay, I now have an obligation to act because of my background. Um, and you know what I mean? So if you know how to, you know, use a pistol and you, you're, you're a concealed carry holder and you're at the grocery store and you, you know, you hear shots, like I would say that's on you, man. Um, now, now you're up and, and it's your turn to, to, you know, to address that situation. So, but I, so I just think it's so important and it's so cool how you're raising your kids that, you're, you're starting to teach them stuff that's going to one, make them confident, but then hopefully, you know, be forces for good in society for um, sure. in, in so many different aspects. And that's why it's like, man, we got to get these kids playing sports. We got to get them strength 100%. training. Well, you're, it's, you're, it's everything, man. You're planting seeds. Like even the gut, like the gun one's a funny one for me because I grew up on a 200 acre farm. I was rifle hunting when I was six years old. Yeah. by myself right. in the woods with a rifle so <laughs> I love like that so yeah, and my country, brother, of course, yeah like no, that's freaking country but, but no, and that and that's not to say that like okay you need to be a hunter for the rest of your life but what jason's doing with his son it's like get him exposed at a young age so that when they're 20 it's not like a oh i don't do that it might be like hey he only does it when he's maybe 10 to 14 but then when he's 22 he realizes like damn i would really like to go hunting 
and there's not this huge barrier to entry because it's like, Hey, I've shot pistols with my dad. I've shot rifles. So like, I, I just know now I need to learn the hunting landscape. Whereas like, if you've, if it's always been this scary thing of like, no, we don't shoot bows. We don't shoot guns. We don't do sports. We don't lift weights. It's like, then when that interest might peak a later at life, it's like, it is yes. a much larger barrier to entry. And that, that to me, it's, you're so right, Jason. Like as That's a parent, part. I feel obligated to like, Hey, get them exposed. That doesn't mean you're pushing them to like do that their whole life. It's like, get them exposed to as many things as possible. So that when, when, when you, when they find that little spark that kind of sets their soul on fire, it's like, you've stoked that enough that they don't feel scared stepping into that. Well, I mean, you know, and, and using my, my example, right. So, um, my son, he's, he has an interest in hunting. He has an interest in firearms. He has an interest in bows. He has an interest in weight training, kickboxing and jujitsu that he has an interest in those things. Um, he definitely hasn't, he, he, he showed early interest, um, for firearms early. And basically I had two options. Uh, act like they didn't exist or train appropriately and teach how this tool can be highly effective, but could also be extremely dangerous. And what I did was I just identified subject control experts within our, our ecosystem to help train them. Right. So found local law enforcement who took them underneath his wing and just started training him. And I feel now here we are all these years later, I feel much more comfortable if there was a gun laying around he would understand that that he's no longer curious about it because he understands how that tool could be extremely dangerous. He would go identify an adult and, and he would not have to, there was no more curiosity, but because I saw at an early age that he had this curiosity, I feel obligated to make sure that we exposed him to it because at some point he would be exposed. And if he's curious, that's where I think he can get hurt. And so it's that mindset that I'm trying to do with anything that he has curiosity on, like, let's go expose it but let's do it with a subject expert. So we learned how to scuba dive. We found an expert for that. Like, I'm not trying to be the expert at everything. The only thing that I teach him is, is self-defense and uh, fitness. That's it. That's awesome, man. Hey, real quick. I got to plug the laptop in. We're going to, I got to, you see the low battery thing it's, up front? It's weird. It's plugged in, but it must be. Is it plugged in? Go see. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. Might, it might be in the <laughs> It's wall. giving me anxiety. We What's got happening the, with your laptop? We got the low battery thing in the, the upper corner. All right, be right back. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, how old is your son now? He's nine. Nine. Oh, yeah, yeah, so sorry. he, so for his tenth birthday, we'll go get a, uh, we'll go get scuba scuba certified. Um, but the thing we're 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 focused on next with him is I definitely want to get him exposed with just like a really good hunting experience. And I've just talked to a lot of people within my circle that I'm just waiting for the right moment. There will be a right moment where where we expose him like the right way, but it just hasn't happened yet. And we've it, we've done some hunting, but it just wasn't right. And you can yeah, and and you're doing it the right way. It's like I always recommend to people having like it just been such an intimate part and still is of my life it's like start with something too like maybe go pheasant hunting or squirrel hunting or something like that just because like you're learning the dynamics of like what it means to be in the woods and carry a firearm because it is man it's it's funny a lot of people kind of I, I don't want to say a lot of people but you can romanticize like hunting now it's kind of coming back in vogue which I love I think that's huge I think as far as sourcing your meat from that if you can do it like love everything about that but there's a moment as with anything, it's like when you're about to take the life of an animal, like that should be treated with respect and kind of reverence. And as a young kid, there is like, if you haven't, I grew up around it. So it was just very kind of like in my DNA, but if you've never kind of been exposed to that, and then you have a deer standing in front of you, like that's a big moment and that can be jolting. Right. So like you said, making sure you have the right mentors in place who, who can kind of, I think, show the respect that should be shown for the animal and kind of the whole process of like, how, how do you process the meat? How do you do all that? Like, 
is so important to, towards having a good experience because I I've, I can say I've seen people jolted after that first one where it's like, I do not want to do that again. Like that was almost, it, it's just almost too much. So yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely doing it the right way is, is super important. That's the plan, man. That's the plan is trying to do that the right way. And, and just, you know, like got one shot at this, right? So just trying to do it the best I can. And, you know, um, I'm just trying to instill in my local community just taking what I've learned over the last, you know, 20 years in the fitness space and just asking, you know, what could I do more for my community? And so that's things like, you know, um, I'm doing these, you know, weekly men's club meetups. Like yesterday morning, I took them to the beach. We did a beach workout and then jumped in the, the water. Um, the week before we, uh, we did one in my garage. The week before that, we were at a gymnasium. The week before that, we were doing hill sprints. Um, and just just trying to foster this idea that like doing hard things with other men is a good way to connect with people because I think that maybe the three of us or or maybe many maybe many people listening to this take for granted the shared suffering and the and the community that you get through CrossFit through Jiu-Jitsu, um, bear in, in your particular case in the military, um, like you might take for granted this connection that you have. It's just always present. Like when I when I go to the gym, like there's always just like hard chargers training hard dudes just getting after it i'm just always around that energy but for a lot of the guys that come to these train hard meetups like they don't have that energy anywhere near them and they're craving it and so that's something we've been doing as of lately and it's it's super it fires me up man because i want to see my community get fitter and it, is that's how long you've been doing that because i've been seeing that on social that's awesome man and it's probably like there's i would imagine there's probably some guys that haven't had that community in a while and this is like they're like this is exactly what they need they need to be around that Dude. Dude, and you know, it's, it's, I, I, we've probably been doing it weekly, weekly. Uh, like, I don't know, like weekly, many, many months now, right? Like weekly, um, probably six months weekly. And, and uh, before that, I was doing it like kind of irregularly. Like I, I would always host like free law enforcement military classes. Like I would just do that like randomly for like years. So th this is just a little bit more structured. Like I have a text thread. Sometimes I put on Instagram, it's like, yo, I'm gonna be here at this time, show up if you want, don't if you want. But you'd be amazed, man. Like my next door neighbor was was came with me um to the beach um on Wednesday, right? Yesterday. And we're coming home and he's like, Hey dude, I'm just letting you know, never in my lifetime did I think I was going to do what we just did right now. And that was cool. So thank you. Like it, it's just because a lot of the times they don't get exposed to things like that. You know, you come up, maybe you play some sports in high school, you stop playing in college, you get a nine to five job, you get in the tech space, especially here in the Bay Area, and you you don't do those hard things together. And I've just seen it. Like if you're listening to this and you're a dude out there, go find, just go hit up your neighbors and be like, hey man, you want to go move some logs with me for like an hour? I'm telling you, something, <laughs> Hell yeah. something, happens. Let's, something let's happens. Let's fire up the chainsaw and drink a few beers. <laughs> I, right? think, I think you're ahead of the curve on that one, Jason, as far as like I see as a culture, and this is one of the weird things that I sit and think about when I'm in the sauna is we, we have advanced so far technologically, and that's good. That's a good thing. That connected us, but it also disconnected us in a way that I think we're feeling the ramifications of as a culture. And I think COVID really even through more of a fuel on this fire that like, I think there's a whole and I'm this isn't my nuanced thought, like I know, uh, Sebastian Junger wrote tribe, like, we are missing that tribal component to like, and that doesn't mean we go live in TPs in some uh, boonies right, community, right, right. it means that like you, the dynamics of having like a wise 
the the wise elders and having uh like the the men that you do hard shit whether that's helping fix something in a house and then the ladies that have like the care and the motherly aspect of it like that dynamic we've kind of stripped it down to just your household and that and, and if you can maintain that healthy in your household that's important but i think that needs like i think us as a culture and us as a species need to expand that out and reintegrate with our with our close cultures and our close communities to reinstill that because i think that it provides like a grounding aspect when you have those friends that live next door that you're very close with. And then, like I said, you have the old wise elders that are helping take care of the kids and provide advice like that. I think that's innate to who we are as a species. And I think we've been disconnected from it. And I, I, I hypothesize, and maybe this is me being delusionally optimistic is that we will work back towards that. We will learn how to reintegrate yeah. like technology so that we can stay connected in ways we couldn't before but we will reintegrate ways to get connected with something that's innate in us. And, and you call it community, call it tribe, whatever it is that we'll realize that that, that has to, we have to kind of reground back into that. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a, a resurgence of, I think we're going to see a resurgence of literature, like blogs. I think you're going to see more meetups like this, like what I'm talking about. Um, I think that if you find, you know, obviously the faith component, if you're interested in the church, like in identifying groups that you get connected with. But I think you're going to see this through jujitsu. I think you're going to see this through CrossFit. I think you're going to see this through men's club that create. And this is not to say that women shouldn't also be receiving that same benefit. It's just for me and my community, what I've noticed is that a lot of the women typically, um, you know, they have networks because they typically don't work. I'm totally stereotyping here, but in general, from what I see around me, Many of the women don't work outside the home. They take care of the family, which is a huge job. But then they connect with other moms that are also doing the same thing. And so they could connect during the day. I don't see that same thing necessarily as prominent with men. Men seem to go to work. They come home. Maybe they have some old friends they used to you know, kick it with in college. They talk to you pretty regularly. But for the most part, like they're not doing things during the day with, with other men. And so I find that the, 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 the meetups have been really helpful for that reason. Yeah, and I think just dudes in general, we're just not as good with it as like staying in no. touch. You know, the the women, they think they're way better at the planning and the, the brunches <laughs> yes. and this and that. And we're just kind of like, yo, what's up, dude? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. you could go eight years and not talk to a guy who's a really good friend and you, you pick up right where you left off. But I don't think we are as intentional about, you know, kind yeah. of keeping those relationships going because I feel like as, as we don't necessarily feel like we need to, because we know that guy's always going to be a buddy. You know what 100%. I mean? So I think part of it is that too. We're just, honestly, we're, we're, we're really bad at it, man. Um, and, uh, but uh, no, I think it's, it's spot on, man. And I, I hope, I hope that correction happens because, you know, to kind of, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but as I, I think this has infected society and the mentality of society. And I, I reflect on this a little bit because I, I, I wonder, okay, has, have guys like me always said the next generation is getting soft and you know what I mean? Like, we're the, right, we're, right, right. you know what I mean? Like, am I now that yeah. guy that's saying, <laughs> I, the cliche. I think about that, you know too. what I mean? Or, yeah. you know, on the other, on the other side of it is, is this a real thing that's happening? Right. Is this the last, I mean, is this, um, is there a well, statistically bear? I mean, statistically it's, it's, it's not good. Right. So like, not to just, I'm just validating your point is like, I want to say that it's at a point where I, uh, I believe that um, the average military age male, I think that 70% of military age male are uneligible to enter the military because of a physical inability. 
um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there. Like, it, so it becomes like a national defense issue. It, it, it becomes a, a variety of different things. But I I think that you're right. I, I would venture to say though, I think you hit the nail on the head though. I wonder if the previous generation said the same thing and the generation before that said the same thing, that each generation is getting a little bit softer, but at what point do you become so soft that it actually starts impacting like a lot? Well, yeah, to, to me, my hope, and here's the, maybe like the, once again, the delusional optimism is that like, we are becoming aware of old systems that are now being outgrown. And like, when I, when I reference systems, like I'm going to say, let, let's use like food, our medical systems, for example, like to me, what I see happening is that we're becoming very keenly aware that there's some systems in place from like, like I said, the foods we're eating or the foods that we've been duped. And I think our generations may be a little better than the generation before us. And like, those are all coming to a head where people were like, what the, like this made us sick. Like this, 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 even the health system, like, I'm sorry, like a lot of this was not set up to keep people healthy or prevent disease. It was like very reactionary. And of course there's a place for that. And to me, I think like it's being talked about more and more, and that's why I'm optimistic about it, but that doesn't make it that transition easy. There's going to be growing pains and just like any system that's kind of being outgrown, it's going to have like the death thralls where it tries to cling to it. But I, I do see, I hope that that tide is turning in the right direction. We've kind of peaked as like Jason called out with those statistics that all of a sudden we're looking like what the hell happened? And I think technology is a, a component of that as well. So I am hopeful that we're kind of, the tide is shifting. But you could also, if you wanted to be pessimistic, there's no shortage of story to build that, that leads to a more like grim kind of outlook as well. Yeah, I mean, and to me, it, there's a little literal component, like people literally getting soft. But for me, it's more like just the mindset, right? It's like, yeah, it's like, holy shit. Like, it's just it seems like there's this just little like bubble of like protection and like, you know, you can't put these people through hard things. And there's this entitlement of like, hey, you're actually owed something. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. You're, you're, you're given basic rights, but beyond that, you got to go out there and fricking earn it. You got to work your butt yeah. off. Um, and I, I just, my biggest fear is that if you think you're a victim, it, 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 it prevents you from thriving as an individual, because if you subscribe to it, your outlook on everything is through that victim lens, everything. And there are many people, whether it's big corporations or certain politicians that are great, that are, that are benefiting from people depending on them oh, yeah. thinking they're a victim and it's the whole narrative right so the the policies that are you know disguised to protect these people are actually crippling them you know what i mean and then they're subscribing to it and they don't even realize it and it's like how do we get back that mentality that you know you only get what you earn um you know we, we tony and i we get this analogy we we're talking about we actually made a video about this that'll launch but it's it, it's like wagon polars versus wagon riders and it's like a it's like a life oh, analogy yeah. There's the people up front harnessed up pulling the wagon, right? Those are, those are the wagon pullers. Like those are the people that are doing productive members of society. And then maybe you got the people that are walking alongside the wagon, you know, maybe they were injured, but they're, they're not holding the wagon back, but they're, you know, they're walking on the road to feet, but they're not necessarily producing. And then there's the people sitting in the wagon, right? That, that, that we're pulling and, and hopefully that would be the elderly and children, right? We're happy to pull them. But as, you know, as, as more and more people realize they can unhook their harness and just go sit in the wagon, that weight for the people up front that are pulling gets heavier and heavier. And it's funny because then the people up in the wagon are villainizing the people that are pulling, you know, saying that, you know, so it's yeah. like this thing and little by little, I feel as a society, 
more and more people are going up and sitting up in that wagon that shouldn't. Um, and it's under the, the justification that, well, I'm a victim and I, I, you know, I never had a fair shot. So I'm just going to go sit on my ass and let these other people pull. Oh, and then by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to call them the, 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 the villain, you know what I mean? Because, you know, it's, it's just this crazy thing. I think we're, we're falling into a trap and, uh, at the end of the day, I think people just need to work hard and apply themselves. And then, like we said, if you can produce surplus in your life, use that as a force for good and give back. Um, but you never should apologize for being successful. Um, and, um, and for, for those, you know, I think that this story you said, Jason is so cool. The, with the, you know, doing the assault bike, you know, in the, in the garage, probably in the garage or in the gym and you, you, you would mute the, th- like for those that have grinded, you know, and started a business like that is so relatable. I had a lot, I had a Dude, lot of right? similar stories. Yeah, yeah. I remember I, I was, you know, in a helicopter sending out emails. So we were flying over uh, the Gulf of Mexico for a training exercise and I'm in the back, like trying to fire off <laughs> one more email before they drop the fucking fast ropes before we go down, you know? And, uh, you know, you have to have that balance. I mean, you have to do that, um, to do that. And, but, but the, the point I'm trying to make is, you sacrifice so much to achieve, you know, the success you have that no one should ever be able to, to, um, you know, kind of villainize you for that because you, you, you did so many things to create that, that, that success in your life. And I don't know, I'm kind of rambling on well, now, but and, 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 play, and play that out. Maybe, yeah. maybe we end up like, cause what I said is like, I, I am optimistic that there almost will be like a, a raising consciousness that leads to the more community focused kind of like people getting yeah. back to our roots while integrating so. technology. But then play out your scenario, Bear. Like I, it's funny you say that because I am concerned. Not even concerned, but I think there there could be a point. Let's let's call it uh, the twenty year mark from now, where they're both right that there has been a kind of shift towards back to community, getting back to our roots as humans while integrating these technologies. But then there is a group of almost dystopian like nature, where like there's a complete disconnect from our human nature and and an integration with with technology. And I know some people are optimistic about what that could look like, but to me, that um, that does feel slightly negative, and maybe that's just a human that's a human thing to say. But I do think there could almost end up being now we're really getting into philosophy that there could be two groups of people: one that gets back to the root, and then the other that like it is kind of a disconnect from our human nature, and you kind of become a vegetable living in a virtual world. Like I don't think we're that far from that. Oh yeah, with uh. Especially with yeah, AI yeah, and all that kind of yeah, stuff. I mean, that's yeah. a whole. That's a whole. I know. Other tangent. I, I know. As I was talking, I'm like, oh no, like I need, yeah, I need about six beers yeah. for that combo. Yeah. 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 Could you imagine? But yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, look, what I'm trying to instill in myself, my children, my community, is that if you work hard, if you train hard, if you treat people right, if you do all the things that we know are like old school things, it's not reinventing the wheel, right? That good things happen, and the more we shelter our children, the more we shelter ourselves, life will come and kick you in the nuts. And you have to be as prepared as possible to, to overcome that. And if you're not doing hard things today, you're just not going to be as good of a position. And that's just a fact. I mean, and kids are going to go through stuff, right? Like kids are going to go through stuff at school. Kids are, and, and, and if we can get them training, that's the key. And then in my local community, it's like, I want to be a beacon. I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that people think about like, man, that dude's, that dude, that dude is fuck is nuts, but he's trying to help other people. Yeah. And um, if you're listening to this and you're that same guy, just find some other dudes in your area and just start a text thread and just be that guy. Yeah, that's that's so good. And you know, as I reflected on this more, you know, I think there, there's a negative to it, but I almost smirk a little bit. I don't know if you saw the quote on Dana White uh, on one of the podcasts. He's talking about 
Yeah, it's something like he said, like, if you're even just half a fucking savage, you're going to you're going to bulldoze over all these people. Right. <laughs> He's talking about the youth, you know, yeah. how soft they've gotten. I thought that's such a great quote. And as I look at like the, the kids we're raising, like if you can train, if you can, if you can bring them up right. And if society continues to get softer and softer, it's like, well, 80 percent of the people they're competing with are, 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 are off the board because like they're just going to be so soft yeah. and entitled. So it, it creates opportunity for, you know, if you, if you have that old school mentality. Um, but I think as, as society as a whole, it's 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 not a net positive. But I no. think, you know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things. We'll, hopefully it doesn't play out in that direction, but we'll see. Yeah, we got to we got to set up another time to to talk more about all your military stories if you want. We'll, uh, <laughs> I, I, if I didn't have a meeting coming up, I'd be like, oh, oh there, shit, are, are we? Are, yeah, we are, are we at time? Oh, dude, no. yeah, we, we're just riffing, man. No, no, but do you have a hard stop here? Uh, like in in like two minutes. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Well, damn. Um. All right. The last question, then uh, we'll jump right to it. All right. What's the next five to ten years look like for Jason Kalipa? If you can fit that in 120 seconds. 120 seconds. Uh, next five to 10 years is watching my children grow up, play a lot of sports, thrive, reach their potential. That's, that's number one. And, you know, building two businesses that I deeply, deeply align with. One is brick and mortar in person, just witnessing the dramatic effects of CrossFit and helping gym owners and coaches. And the other is helping guys and girls train hard to look the part, act the part, and never hit zero. And I'm going to be committed to doing that and doing these meetups all over the country. And that's the vision for the next five, 10 years. And like success for me would be, dude, doing stuff like this, building a brand, getting people inspired and using our digital products and just going around and creating a community. I'm winning. That's, that's the vision. That's what it looks like. That's awesome. And in the, the new program, so I think um, when this airs, uh, for everyone, if this is the air day, uh, it'll be December 19th. So that'll be right before your new uh, programs drop. You said early January, right? Oh, yeah. So dude, December 9th. So make sure to check out th.fit. So trainhard.fit, th.fit. And you can join our newsletter. And then very shortly thereafter, we're going to be releasing the app and ready to kick off January 1. So the app will be available like a couple of days before Jan 1 so that people want to download it. But the program will start Jan 1. Three programs. Act apart, look apart, never zero. And um, yeah, man, good well, timing on that. And, and yeah, we, can find yeah. a, we can find a way to to collab there too to leverage our... I mean, let's, sure. yeah, that, that fits right in line with our values as a brand. So let's find a way to get you in front of our our customer. And then I'm sure there's some type of reciprocal relationship there. Yeah, well, it's it's perfect. So we were just... Our, our episode, Winning in the Gym, just aired a couple of days ago. Um, <laughs> that now we're, we're, in, we're taping this in November. But uh, we talked about... I didn't... I wasn't on programming. You know, it's funny. My strength coach listened to our podcast. as my college strength coach texted me and was like, what's your email? I'm sending I'm you... A freaking program, Hell yeah. but but once I do his, um, I'm, I definitely want to jump on yours, man. That'll be really cool, and, and that's that's a perfect timing for me to get back on a good program and um, hopefully get 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 jacked up a little bit, dude. You're gonna love it. It's it's exactly what I'm into. It's a great blend of just stuff that the way I train right now, and I'm not trying to win the CrossFit Games. I just want to be super fit as a dad and as a husband. I want to I want to be able to do jujitsu and win the tactical games. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, hey, I know you're a really busy guy. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. For for everyone that's listening, also highly recommend check Jason out on on. I follow him on Instagram, but there's a lot of just really cool, honestly, just quick motivational shit that that you put out, Jason. Like I think it's on a daily basis. You know, you'll just be doing a set of squats and you'll rack it and say something. It's just good, empowering stuff that that puts you in the right frame of mind. And 
as you guys can tell from listening, um, there's so much value that we can, we can, we can, you know, obtain from, from just the way Jason has, has conducted his life and uh, continues to. So Jason, thank you so much, man. Obviously you got an ally with us over here at born primitive. So there's anything we can ever do for you. Don't be a stranger. You got my number two, um, and keep kicking ass, man. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure talking to you. Dude, I love what you guys are doing. Congratulations and, uh, congrats on the podcast and everything you guys got going on. I love it. All Thanks, right, Jason. Buddy. Take care. We'll see you.